dead of night, as people sleep, that is when the spirits creep. As the bell tolls three, dark things take power. We like to call it the supernatural hour. Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. I'm Raven. I'm Rogue. I'm Chad. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little something. If you listened to the last podcast two weeks ago, you will know that this one was recorded about ten minutes after we recorded that one. So it feels like we were just talking to you. To you, it's two weeks. To us, it's been ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention is I was listening to um, the podcast that we did uh, with mental illness versus paranormal. Paranormal, and in there we make a little joke and we laugh because we think it's hilarious about um, a bucket list or something that doesn't have anything to do with animals a man or woman, or a bridge. And I just got thinking about that. And if you just hear our regular podcast, you don't get that. You don't get that reference. Um, If you're an insider, you do. If you are an insider, you get special insider podcasts. Like the Bunny Man Bridge? The Bunny Bunny Man Bridge, Goat Man. Anyway, not on purpose. We did like three bridges in a row. Like bridges with an animal man, animal, woman attached to it. Um, So if you're an insider, we're super sorry we won't do an animal, man, woman bridge for a long time. Anyway, I just thought I need to tell the regular viewers why that was so funny and why we laughed hysterically at that. (laughs) They're probably scratching their heads going, what? And then there's the bridge that the dogs would jump off of. Yes, but those were actual dogs that weren't associated with people other than the owners that probably bemoaned the fact that they lost their dog on a crazy dog killing bridge. Yeah. So anyway, if you need a little backstory on that one, there you go. All right. Sorry. I hijacked your business, Chad. Hey, the business is brought to you today by Castle Photo Art. Um, Castle does a great job. Uh, you can go out to his website and take a look at some of the things that he's done. He does a he does a great job. And he's got some new equipment, too, that he's pretty excited about. Yeah, he took car pictures, and it was kind of cool. But now he's got a new one where... He can do lighting in some really interesting ways. Yep, we need to schedule to get new pictures. We, we just need more. Anyway. And we're going to have an investigation, uh, a public investigation at the Hub Theater in American Fork. Um, tickets will be available on Eventbrite and through advancedparanormal.com on the, on the events page. So go out and get the tickets. It's going to be a fun thing. That's going to be Saturday, January 15th at 8.30. We just want to say a, a shout out to all of our patrons and thank them for their support and things that they're doing. Um, would love for some more help on that. If you want to become a patron, go out to patreon.com, Supernatural Hour. And you can hear endless podcasts about animal bridges in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you get you get the bonus episodes. Which we're recording next, and it has ah. nothing to do with a bridge or an animal. You'll be so excited. It should be good. I look forward to it. In about 20 minutes, right? No. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're recording a bunch. Um, if you missed the last episode, we're, since it's December, early December, uh, it just gets crazy busy with parties and this program and that program and caroling and shopping. We're recording three podcasts today. So bear with us. We've already done one. If we're a little chippy, that's why. So with that being said, I'm going to have to say I apologize because in the earlier podcast, I would said that I would have something more to report to you on this podcast. However, we still haven't had a residential since the last podcast recorded. Um, yeah, since it's been like 10 minutes. Free. <laughs> exactly. Um so we have some coming up. We will have some for the next podcast, except for not for the Patreon. So the next, next podcast. Since we're recording, we the will pa- have one. Patreons here in about an hour. So unless something pops up in an hour, Patreons, you don't get anything either. <laughs> no new investigations. But we do ask for you to donate to your local food bank. Um, here it's the utahfoodbank.org or your local food bank. Um, it's giving season. Our main topic for today is Pazuzu Algarad. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This topic was actually um, sent to us by one of the listeners. Um, and I believe it was a he. He said... You should consider this topic. And I thought, I have never heard of this before. And so I looked it up. And this is some creepy stuff. He's a creepy dude. The last time I got this bigger creeps uh, researching a podcast was when we did medieval torture devices. Which was cool, but severely creepy. This is just creepy and severely creepy. Yeah, But it ties into a, a recent-ish podcast that we did, so I'm excited to talk about it and talk about that tie-in. That relationship? Yeah, so we'll, we'll, give you the, we'll give you the backstory first. Okay, there is a fruit fly. I've got fruit flies in my house. Not a ton, but just enough that there's always one there, but I cannot find what they're digging. You know when you've got fruit flies and you'll find a garbage can somewhere and there's like a cloud? I've never found ground zero. Anyway, sorry, squirrel. Okay, Pazuzu. That's what it's like to live with me. <laughs> so what's a Pazuzu? It's not a what. Well, I guess it is a what. But it's also a who. Um, this Pazuzu is a fellow. His He was born John Alexander Lawson. He was born in 1978 in California. And we don't know a whole lot about his early life. Um, but at some point, his parents got divorced. They He and his mom relocated to um Clemens, North Carolina. And then his dad went back to California. Mm-hmm. And he decided to change his name from John Alexander Lawson to Pazuzu Ila Allegard. An Allegard. You can see the attraction. Yes. You can see the attraction to such a beautiful name. So Pazuzu is actually, uh, you know, the movie The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, it is the name of an Assyrian demon. 
that was in that movie. Um, played by Eileen Dietz. She was the actress that played it. Um, he used to tell people that he had magical powers and he could control the weather. So why not name yourself after a demon? Well, Don Decker kind of controlled the rain. Well, he actually controlled the rain. This guy was just nuts. <laughs> that was rude. I was rude. I was true. <laughs> but I was rude. Here's an interesting thing. I'm learning Arabic. And Al means like of the or, or the. And I thought Al Grad, because he also will tell people or he's dead now, but he would tell people that he was of Iranian descent, and apparently there's not an Iranian drop of blood in him at all. And um, No, he looked pretty pretty Nordic, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Al Garad, I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's an Islamic thing. And I don't know if this is just uh, coincidence. I don't know if Al Garad meant something to him, but I typed it into my translator that I've got on my phone as closely as I could because uh, they don't really have a G. And this is it's Algarad, A-L-G-A-R-A-D. They have a, a J sound. Um, so I typed it in as closely as I could come up with. And Algarad means locusts in mm. Arabic. Just FYI. Ooh. So Pazuzu, Sumerian demon of the locusts. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. So there's actually a, scary a dog. bug. Creepy bug. Bugs are pretty creepy. I've got fruit flies. It's creepy. But he just wants to be a scary bug. <laughs> so if he is, he's very interesting looking. He's got a bunch of face tattoos and he filed his teeth to be pointy. Um, filed them yeah. himself. He didn't go in and have, you know, implants put in or he, he just got out a file and went to town in the bathroom one day, which just does not seem very healthy to me. But that's me. So there's a gal named Patricia Gillespie, and she produced um, a documentary, which you can find on YouTube. It's called The Devil You Know. Um, And she said it was one of the reasons we don't know much about his childhood. I mean, because his mother was around. um, He was around. We'll get to to his demise eventually. But she said it was really hard to, to get a true grasp of what his life was like because he would reinvent stories about his childhood. Basically, he was a pathological liar. Um, And so you just, you never knew what was true and and what wasn't. Um, And as she said, uh, he told people he was from Iraq. He told people his father was some high priest. But the people who knew him as a child described him as a little off-kilter, a little emotional. Things that might indicate the beginning of a mental illness, like harming animals, consuming alcohol and drugs at a very early age. Yeah, he was like big time into alcohol by 13. Yeah. yeah he was actually diagnosed with the mental illnesses, schizophrenia, alcoholism, um, and agoraphobia. And I forgot to look that up, but isn't that a uh, not wanting to hang around people? No, I don't know. Fear of agors. Oh, I can't take you anywhere. Okay, so we checked. Agoraphobia is an anxiety, uh, paranoia, you know, crowds, being around people, being in situations that might trigger um, anxiety. anxiety. 
new places, things like that. Yep. So that's that's kind of what I thought, but I wasn't entirely sure. Um, now his mom's name was Cynthia, and she originally, you know, when when he was younger, and was noticing that that maybe he was a little off, she actually got him some psychiatric help, and so he did, you know, for for quite some time, get some help and was doing really well. Uh, but eventually, she ran out of money. Um, she couldn't afford the treatment for him, so he stopped going to treatment. And uh, apparently once he stopped going to treatment, his mental health deteriorated very quickly. Um, Cynthia was interviewed for this uh, YouTube documentary. documentary. It's actually The Devil You Know, Viceland. V-I-C-E, Viceland. So if, you want, if you're interested, um, that's what you're going to find it. And what she, she being Cynthia, described in her interview... As they were making this, uh, she said he wasn't by any means an angel, but he wasn't a bad person or a boogeyman or whatever phrases people have called him. And and I I mean I haven't watched this documentary. I want to because it I think it would be interesting. But I'm sure that at one point he wasn't a boogeyman. I'm sure at one point you know he was just struggling with this mental illness. But as soon as he stopped getting treatment for this, um, he turned into the boogeyman. You know, he turned into a bad person. But I, I, I agree with her, and just the little bit that I've read, I think he just started out as, you know, just having some issues. Um, and here, you know, when we, we have done, we've talked about serial killers on this podcast before, and we've always tried to tie in a paranormal experience, and usually you can find, you know, a haunting story or, or some ghost story, you know, a ghost sighting or, or something that ties into it. I couldn't find one for this one, but I did find our, our paranormal uh, tie-in with this one. And again, if you remember listening to, what, two podcasts ago when we talked about mental illness versus possession, a lot of people who knew him said that his change was very dramatic. It wasn't, you know, something slow that happened over several years. They said, you know, he went from just kind of a normal run-of-the-mill American kid that, you know, had some issues to just almost overnight, you know, the face tattoos and the, and the real dramatic changes and heavy drinking. And, and when we have talked before of possession, that's one of the signs of the second stage of possession is just a very dramatic switch, very dramatic change in behavior, very dramatic change in dress you know, and everyone's going to, especially in your teenage years, you're going to experiment with, you know, preppy and experiment. I'm just going from my own, my own experiments. So, you know, preppy to um, new wave that doesn't age me at all. Or goth. Or goth. I mean, you know, I, I see teenagers and, and you can tell that they're experimenting. Um, but this wasn't an experiment. This was a, I've been this way for a long time and suddenly boom, I'm extremely, extremely different. There's, there's a difference in that. Um, so it was in 2002 that he changed his name to Pazuzu Illa Alagard, um, kind of an homage to the Assyrian demon referenced in The Exorcist, like we mentioned. Um, but all these things kind of happened at the same time. Name change. And so to me, I'm going to say that he had some mental illness. And I think because of the mental illness... Not only was he an easy target, but I think he also wanted it. Yeah, 
we, we talked a little bit before about the different levels of possession. We said it's not something that, that happens to someone extremely quickly. There's a caveat on that, and that caveat is unless you want it to. Right, and I think... Are you inviting it in? I mean, it, being possessed, if you're resistant, can take an awful long time. If you're If you're trying to shun it and stay away, it's not something that happens quickly. But if it's something that you are embracing and inviting in, that can happen very quickly. Right. I, I consider this fellow to be a perfect storm. He had the mental illness, which is going to make you more open to it anyway. And then on top of that, the lifestyle he lived was an open invitation. Um, I mean, he was a he was a very prolific and, what's the word I'm looking for, obvious, proud Satan worshiper. Um. When they went into his home, had it posted on the front of his house, didn't he? Front like, of the have house, some sign on this front mm-hmm. of the door. And if you Google this, you can actually very easily find video. The sheriff's department videoed inside the house before they demolished it, and all over the wall, because he believed he was Iranian, he looked up some um, Arabic scripts, Arabic words. I'm not going to say he learned Arabic. I don't think he had that kind of mental capacity. Um, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm so much better because I do, but I just, he wasn't in the mindset of let's learn a foreign language. I think he just looked up a few words because you would see the same couple words over and over in the house. Like spray painted on things mm-hmm. and the walls. And, and the one one of the words that um, I saw several times was ablis, which is the devil. And it was painted. I, I probably saw it in the video six or seven times. So describe what a good housekeeper he was. So every once in a while, I my mindset is if my house looked like an R.C. Willie showroom, which is a popular Utah furniture store, um, if you're not in Utah, if my house looked like an R.C. Willie showroom, my life would be happy. That being said, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not filthy. I mean, sometimes I the dishes could be done a little more often and sometimes maybe I could sweep one more time that week or something. But really, all in all, my home is pretty clean. And when I watch an episode of The Hoarders, it makes me realize that I'm doing a bang-up job. Um, This house was pretty much an episode of The Hoarders. Um, Broken glass on the floor, dead animals, feces. Dead animals in cages and Mm -hmm. stuff. Feces. He was hoarding dead animals. Yep. Ground into the floor. They, you know, they found substances that they're pretty sure was blood. Um, on the walls. On the walls. Wasn't on the there floor. blood all over the walls? Mm-hmm. Um, it was gross. And the the walls, the main decor in the house was all very satanic, very dark, very, very negative. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't and see the floor. Didn't he have a girlfriend that lived there with him? Two fiancés. He had two fiancés. Oh. So one, one of the know. things... At the same time. At the same time. That we know of. Did he have more? We don't know. And wasn't that his mother's house? Yes. Didn't his mother live there? Yes. And as far as hygiene is concerned, so yeah, it was her home. Um, people that knew him... Like one of his psychiatrists said that he bathed no more than once a year and hadn't brushed his teeth in years. And the reason for this, he claimed that personal hygiene stripped the body of its defenses 
in warding off infection and illnesses. So he thought any sort of hygiene was actually bad for you. When it's like, dude, it's just the opposite. Well, cleanliness is next to godliness, and that's not where he wanted to go. No. Um, Very true. But, you know, just going back to the house and just the state of the house and the things that were on the house. And and it wasn't just confined to the inside. I mean, the front door had a, a like a picture of the devil on the front of it. In the back, um, I'm sure that at one time this home was quite nice because in the backyard there was a pool. And I know what you're thinking, pool, sparkly blue water. No, this pool was emptied, had mud in it. I mean... When I say emptied, it was, you know, of, of chlorinated water. There may have been six inches of murky sludge from rain or whatever in it. But um, there was stuff spray-painted on the back of the house. There was stuff spray-painted on the, the walls of the pool. Um, I mean, anybody with eyeballs that could see this home from any angle is going to see something satanic and dark on the home. Um, and... You know, just this behavior, his behavior, his looks, his pointed teeth, his, um, oh, he, uh, he would tell people that he regularly made animal sacrifices, which I totally believe based on all the dead animals in the home and, you know, the animal feces and, you know, a lot of the blood they found in the home. Um, we'll get to this in just a second, but some of it was animal blood. Um, but just a major, major rebellion against the city and its residents because this, this city is a very heavily Christian city, as are most cities in, in the southern U.S. You know, I, would, I would say this is probably in the Bible Belt. And so you know, he's just pushing against, kicking against the pricks, I guess is what they would say. So he did other stuff besides... Just animal sacrifice. Animal sacrifice and making me feel good about my, my housekeeping skills. Um, going back to his two fiancés, not one, but two fiancés, uh, he really kind of is vaguely similar to Charles Manson. In, in fact, that, he, he kind of patterned his group, or he wanted to pattern after Charles Manson. Right. I mean, he, he did this kind of purposely. It was like his mentor in a way his family um he he has this strange charisma where he actually could um draw others who felt socially excluded kind of into his circle you know you're a social outcast oh come i shall take care of you and he encouraged them to engage in debauchery debauchery sorry i can't talk engage in debauchery um he had a friend by the name of Nate Anderson and Nate told people and I'm just going to read this he had a twisted sort of charisma it's the kind of charisma that isn't going to appeal to everyone but certain minds are going to be drawn in by that the misfits the outcasts people living on the edge or people who wanted to live on the edge um, were drawn to him and just his energy and, and his aura and just his off kilter charisma and Manson could attract women and so could Algarad. So he had two fiancés, like we've mentioned before. Their names were Amber and Crystal. And his home, which was actually his mother's home, uh, kind of became a, a hub for his um, 
family. For his family, his you know, for all these misfits that were drawn to him, and this is kind of you know his hub of operation was his mother's home. Um, so kind of the rules that he had were a lack of rules. They could come and stay as long as they wanted, and he did not care what they did in his home. So the mess that's in there can't be attributed just to him, but could be attributed to all of his followers, all of his family, all, all the people that came in. Um, and they didn't care. They didn't care. It wasn't their home. Um, so here's some of these activities. Self-harm, drinking the blood of birds, performing rabbit sacrifices, uh, copious drug use, um, and staging orgies. Well, there you go. Yeah, debauchery. So eat, drink, first and be merry for straight tomorrow you'll die, I guess. Orgies um, on feces with a dirty, gross person that hasn't bathed. Yeah, doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? None of this sounds <laughs> fun at all, actually. No, no. So it's interesting on the on the video that I found, um, you know, at the, the sheriff's department. I mean, they, they, they can't handle the stench and you know, they go through the home and show you all the rooms in the home. Um, and then they go outside because this story gets even more interesting once we once we make it outside. But they're outside and uh, the cameraman says, you know, to one, there's like four or five people that are, you know, going through the home. Um, the cameraman says, is that stench out here or is it coming from inside the home? And it was so bad you couldn't tell where it was coming from. You know, because they'd been inside. They'd been inside for probably... The video that I watched was maybe 15 minutes. So they'd been in the home for probably 10 of those minutes. And they went outside, and he couldn't tell if the stench was outside stench or inside stench. That's how bad it had been. It was dark. And by dark, I'm talking heavy dark. Because as you went in, it was well lit. But it was dark. And I could even feel the energy of, you know, just the dark energy just watching the video. I was just like, ugh. Pazuzu, besides just some self-harm and self, you know, just giving himself over to uh, demonic stuff, um, he was charged with accessory after the fact of involuntary manslaughter because there's actually several deaths attributed to him and by several, um, probably three or four that I can think of. Okay, so this was in October 2010 that he was charged with this. In September of 2010, the body of Joseph Emmerich Chandler was discovered in Yadkin County. And Pazuzu was accused of concealing information from investigators and allowing the murder suspect to stay at his house and knew that he was the murder suspect. If you don't know, I don't think you can be charged with accessory, but um, he knew. Um, so four years later, so he's already kind of got this record on his head, October 5th, 2014, um, Pazuzu, who's 35 years old at this time, and his fiance Amber, who was 24, they were both arrested because skeletal remains of two men were found buried in their backyard. So um, when they went outside in this video that I watched, they actually showed... Uh, I mean, the holes were still there. I don't know. Maybe I just have a little bit more innocent mind than I think. 
But Chad and I really enjoy watching Forensic Files and Deadly Women and uh, Lieutenant Joe Kenda. We like these. And one of the reasons why I like them is not because I like the people who are killed. That's, that's terrible. I like um, watching how they catch these bad guys. You know, I like watching, you know, especially Forensic Files, to see how they catch them. They can do amazing things with forensics. It's amazing. So in the in this backyard, you know, the holes where they found these remains were still open. They had big blue tarps with piles of dirt on them, you know, so they can sift through and find bits and pieces. But I don't know. When you watch forensic files and they say, "Oh, you know, they killed this person and buried him in their backyard," and I, I, my, the smarts of my brain tell me this is not how it works. But I always imagine this very neat rectangle that's dug and they're laid out flat. You bagpiped it way too many (laughs) funerals. With their little arms (laughs) over their chests, clutching a flower. No, these were just little round holes that were just dug and they just stuffed them in. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a harsh reality for me. I don't know, maybe I just want these people to have been buried nicely after they've been... Brutally like, killed by some psychopath. Right? So, I don't know, it was a little disturbing to me to see just this little... Literally, they walked out the door and dug a hole just right there. And just stuffed them in. And I think they were dismembered. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they were dismembered, so just parts and pieces were just thrown in these holes. And, mm. Yeah, that was part of the story, is they dismembered them. So, it was about a week later that these men were identified... And um, they were identified as Joshua Wetzler and Tommy Welch. And they actually had disappeared in 2009. So they'd been buried in the backyard for five years. So they arrested Pazuzu. They arrested um, Amber, his fiance, who was 24 years old. Well, his other fiance, Crystal, was 28 years old. She was actually charged. Um, in connection with the death of one of the persons whose body was found. Um, and then she was suspected of helping with the burial of Wetzler. Um, and if I remember right, I don't have this in my notes, but I think he had killed one of them and he just sat in the house for like a week or two. And then he called um, Crystal and said, Hey, what you doing? Come help me bury this body. And hadn't, Hadn't at least one of these been kind of a friend previously? I think they'd both been friends previously. I mean, yeah, they kind of got on the outs for some reason, and so that was a reason enough to kill them. Yep. So they think that that Pazuzu had killed uh, Joshua in 2009, and Amber helped bury his body. And then apparently... Amber had killed the other fellow a couple months later, and and Pazuzu had helped with that burial. They'd both been shot in the head. So I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of information of... Yeah, and I know at least one of them had been dismembered completely. You know, they'd cut off everything. I mean, arms, legs. Every extremity. Every extremity. We won't name one of those, but every, anything that... Could it could could project out? Project is a good word. <laughs> I was going to use a different one. That one was better. Anyway, when they found the remains, and I don't know how police were. There, there were some details that were left out. 
maybe I need to watch the documentary. I don't know how police were alerted to the fact that these bodies were buried in the backyard. But shortly after they found these bodies and exhumed the bodies, um, they deemed the home unfit for human habitation. Um, in April of 2015... That could have been determined before they found the bodies with the way that house was. I could have told you that Yeah. before they found the bodies. But at that point, they said, no, you guys are out. And I guess they had given Cynthia, the mother, a timeline to get it cleaned up. You know, And they do this with all hoarder homes. If you've ever watched hoarders, you know, you've got to get it cleaned up by this time or you've got to move or, you know. And she didn't make it and they actually extended it for her. Because I don't get the impression that she had anything to do with anything. I think she was just the mom and... But she didn't do anything about it either. Exactly. She didn't stop it. I, but you wonder, you know... She was complicit. Not not in, you know, omission, but in just not taking care of it or right. notifying authorities about what's going on. And yeah, and I'm thinking help. if you've got a dead guy hanging out somewhere in your house, you'd say something to somebody. I don't know. It's just me. And they actually demolished the home. There's actually pictures. When I was l- trying to look for some sort of a, a ghost story, you know, someone seeing an apparition or, you know, hearing noises or something, um, I came across a photo. The neighbor actually purchased the home or the land. And in the picture, it's just, you know, it's flat. Looks like he's seeding it with grass or something. And apparently the neighbors were very, very, very happy when it was gone. And I, I would have to agree. Yeah. If there's a home. And it's a normal looking residential area. I mean, it was a rather normal middle class home. It I mean, it wasn't no shack in some shabby little town, at least from when the pictures that I had seen of it. It could right. be a house in your neighborhood or my neighborhood kind of a thing. Right. I mean it had a pool in the backyard and pools aren't cheap. So at some point it was quite a nice home. And I don't know if that was originally Cynthia's home. I'm assuming that she bought it since they moved from California. But at one point, it was a very, very nice home. Yeah, it looked kind of like a a brick rambler home that would have been built in the 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, obviously, Algarad has gone to prison. Um, but his story doesn't, you know, just stop at prison. In uh, early, it was October 28th, 2015, um, he was found dead in his prison cell in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. The death was ruled a suicide. Um, He bled to death as a result of a deep cut on his left arm. I think they said it was on the inside of his elbow. And the instrument which he cut himself is unknown. They kind of think that um, he used his teeth and I am sorry. That's what I read. But that had to have hurt really bad. I will never kill myself yeah. that way. With your file sharpened teeth? Because, ow. I'm a wuss. Ow. That would not happen. The autopsy revealed... Hang on. I don't remember what the autopsy revealed, so let's try that again. Uh, The autopsy revealed that his death was due to excessive blood loss. Um, There were a few things that they found in the cell, like an electric razor, um, a clear bottle of red fluid, but they couldn't find anything that 
would be used to make that kind of a wound. That could have made that kind of a cut, and so they figure it was his teeth. So two years later, in 2017, Amber, who was the fiancé, pled guilty to second-degree murder, armed robbery, and accessory after the fact. So apparently she was the one that shot Tommy Welch, one of the the fellows that they found buried outside. Um, She shot him twice in the head with a twenty-two caliber rifle as he was just sitting on the couch. We don't know what he was doing, but there he sat and and, um, she shot him. She was sentenced to a minimum of 30 years and 8 months in prison with a maximum of 39 years and 2 months. And then fiancé 2... Uh, she pled guilty to conspiracy to accessory after the fact of first-degree murder on June 5th of 2017. She was sentenced to a minimum of three years and two months with a maximum of four years and ten months. So, honestly, as creepy as that is, this would be, I think, an interesting place to investigate just with the heavy, heavy energy there. Yeah. That's that's a lot of stuff going on, yep. and for and for quite a while. It wasn't just a, a few weeks or months. It was multiple years, right? And then just to throw back again to you know the discussion we had a couple of podcasts ago about um, you know the mental illness versus paranormal, paranormal, and I think I think he had it all, and it would be interesting. You know, to know what kind of stuff paranormal-wise was happening in their home. You know, where you're inviting that and you're living a lifestyle that that invites that in. Uh, You know, were they hearing voices? Were they, you know, were they seeing things? Were they able to actually see some of these spirits? Were they... And not that I'm jealous. I don't want to hear or see anything like that. But it would be interesting to know kind of what went down behind those closed doors but part of me also doesn't want to know what went down behind those closed doors because what I do know is creepy enough so yeah hey before we go over to the bucket list I would like to remind everybody to check out our shop at advancedparanormal.com where you can find sage sprays we've got some lip balms we've got some rollers also, we would like some love on YouTube, TikTok. You can find us across social media. We love followers. Yes, we do. My turn for bucket list, and my bucket list is ancient Egypt. I mean, I can't go to ancient Egypt ever because yeah, I was, it's already happened. But I would like to go to Egypt and, and look at ancient see stuff. See what the ancient Egyptians did. <laughs> There you go. I actually have a friend. It's actually a former student's mother that I kind of follow on Facebook. And she and her daughter just went there a couple months ago. And now I want to go there. I think that would be a fascinating place to go. Go to the pyramids. Oh. And the Sphinx. The Sphinx and... um, Valley of the Kings. Yeah, and just see all that stuff. I'm fascinated by ancient Egypt. And just everything that went on. See the Nile. I want to stick my feet in the Nile. And when I go, I'm taking ghost hunting stuff. Yeah, and I don't know that they would be keen on me just jumping in there doing my ghost hunting thing, but I can pull <laughs> stuff out on the sly. <laughs> I have done that before. I, I was there. 
I have ghost hunted on the sly. So that is my bucket list. Very maybe cool. maybe it can be my graduation present Sounds when I graduate fun. from school. We'll go to Egypt. Maybe. And you can use all your Arabic. Yes. We're doing it. We got two years to plan it. Okay. Start saving up now. That's that's the top thing on my bucket list. Okay, patrons. <laughs> <laughs> no, your money's not used for <laughs> Raven's Egyptian trip. <laughs> Before we go to the junk drawer, just wanted to remind you about the supernatural that you can get supernatural hour swag at advancedparanormal.com. It just there's lots of cool stuff out there. You know, we always like to talk about the tapestries and the hats and different things. So go on out and and grab your supernatural hour swag. The junk drawer is brought to you by Barbary Coast Saloon. If you haven't had a chance to go check it out, go. They've got great food. And it's a great haunt, too. We're going to actually go there again sometime soon. Sometime That's better to go when it's warmer because one of the best places to investigate is actually outside. Yeah, that, that cross by the creek is a really neat area. Yeah. so Very active. Yeah, but if you're looking just for some really good food, it's a bar, but I don't care. And you shouldn't either because it's got great food and it's great, a great people. I, I, told, I told Raven, I said, this reminds me of a... A cafe from downtown Provo when I grew up that was just, you know, the just like a, a morning cafe kind of thing. I mean, the old cafeteria, cafe deal. It was, it was great. The food was great. It just reminded me of that. It's a bar, but I think it's really a restaurant with a bar in many ways more than, than just a bar. I'm sure on Friday and Saturday nights and at nights, it's, it's a bar, but during the day, it's a, it's a great restaurant. It is. It's amazing. If you remember our last junk drawer, this junk drawer needs no rating. <laughs> this is not sketchy. Rogue will not be making weird faces at me during this one. It's been a while since we've done a stone. <laughs> Just weird faces because the content of the last junk drawer was... No part two? No, no part two. Sorry. So we're going to talk about a stone, but this, this stone is more of a shell. It's abalone shell. Okay. It's abalone shell. So abalone is nicknamed the sea ears because of, you know, it's kind of flat and a little bit oval shaped, kind of like a curved ear. And it has small little holes in it, which lets the animal breathe, right? Everyone's seen abalone shell, right? It's just a swirl of ocean-like colors. It's a protective stone. Iridescent. Mm-hmm, yeah. Shimmery. On the inside. Oh, yeah, on the outside, on the it's all rough and calcium-looking. gray. It's a protective stone because, you know, as a shell, it protects the abalone inside, you know, and the little, so it, it's the same for us. The little mollusk. Mm-hmm. It's the same for us. It's, you know, a literal protective stone for us as well. And so if your confidence seems to kind of leave you or you're feeling safe, just grab your abalone shell. Give it a hug. And I, I mean, I mean that to be silly, but I also mean that mean it hug it it's a really popular one to overcome anxiety if you're feeling a little off but it also kind of helps you stay true to yourself especially in the matters of the heart so if you feel that you're finding yourself you know fear and self-sabotage of getting in the way of your relationships hug that abalone it might be the stone for you 
Um, it enhances tuition. It not tuition. I hoped it was ha- enhanced tuition. I'll go get you some. I don't know. Is enhancing tuition making tuition more? In that case, you don't want your. It enhances your intuition. Um, it helps boost your imagination. Uh, it can help you come up with new things if you're trying to think of a new idea, um, especially in the business or professional fronts. So, if you need to work through any emotional issues, it's good because it kind of encourages peace and calmness in highly emotional situations. You also know, think think of the ocean. Think of rain. You never hear of people stressed out sitting by the ocean or stressed out when it's raining. Um, something about water is just very calming. So it's it um, brings that. So how do you use it? You hold it. So when I said go hug it, I wasn't just being dumb. Um, you literally just hold it. Um, it'll make you feel loved, cared for, protected, and it'll make you feel 100% your best. So you really need to get some abalone. A lot of people will use an abalone shell when they're doing a saging, that they'll burn the sage and hold the abalone and then use a feather to help move the air. But I've seen that an awful lot of an abalone shell being used as kind of the the ashtray for the sage as they're doing a cleansing with sage. Absolutely. So I'm just going to read this last little bit because I think it's cool. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the demands of your job or your personal relationships, you can always hold a piece of abalone in your hands. You will feel peace and calm washing over you. And I've actually seen a lot of abalone jewelry, earrings or mm-hmm. you know pendants. It's very um, pretty. It's, it's pretty and it's very popular. So it's a very relaxing one. And um, the page that I kind of looked up some of this information on says, abalone will bring a little piece of the ocean to you. So if you want to have little piece of the ocean with you all the time grab a little piece of abalone I like that I never knew that I didn't either stay spooky my haunty friends I love you Nicholas hey have a good night Ugh, my ears hurt you've been listening to the supernatural hour at advancedparanormal.com the Supernatural Hour is part of the Radio Ronin Network, found at RadioRonin.com. Copyright 2021 by Advanced Paranormal Services.